All right, peace out. So let me quick do the intro here. Uh, live, nope, not live for you, just for live me. Live from New York. Spaith over breakfast with Andy and Eric. Uh, two pastors of a church called The Village and a church called Mission. You figure out who we're connected to. We we're talked in about Easter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're in Tucson. We talked about Easter, discipleship, surveys, church growth, you know, real compelling, interesting things. The Spirit of God, how the Spirit works, uh, what to expect from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It all comes up in the, uh, toward the end. So, as I always say, stay in there. I feel like our conversations, Eric, we got to work on this. They're good. They're, I, I think they're always good, but I feel like the second halves are especially good. Um, so, all right. Tune in. <laughs> Take it easy, man. All right. See ya. All right, bye. That was a really lame thing that my parents would say. I always hate that one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, since since you, uh, I didn't know when you were coming, I thought I'd send a text. But uh, now you got me in the middle of a, a text. Oh, you're now. What's that? I see. I said, oh, you're busy now, I see. Yeah, yeah, now I'm busy. And you're eating again. What do you have this time? Easter bread. Easter bread? Yeah. Nice. And coffee in the old uh, Grace Lutheran mug. It's the church my family founded in uh, Bisbee. Oh, they, they founded it? They started it? They were part of a part oh, of the part founding of, of it. Part of the starting of it. Mm-hmm. You know, being the, uh, it was the German thing to do in Bisbee back in the day, I'm sure. Let's see, when was it founded? It says uh, 1920. Oh, wow. Wait, your parents founded it in 1920? No, 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 my family. My, oh, not my parents. Your it family? Was, um, I've got. I've got, there's, yeah, there's a, a, a section of especially my, my grandma's family in the Bisbee area uh, that was there for generations. My grandpa came um, just after World War II, I want to say. Um, but, uh, but my grandma and her family were there, so... I don't know a lot of them. I, I, I wish I knew more of them. But there was, anyway, it's complicated. There was a, there was like, she was part of what they call the second family, that there was a, somebody, there are kids whose mother had died, and then my great-grandma was the second wife. And, uh. But they were all the, uh, I said, kind of the German group that probably went to the uh, little Lutheran church and, was there since its inception. So you're you're a good German boy. Well, I guess. All right. I've got I've got some German in me. It's done. I sent it. All right. I'm here. Present. I'm with you. Are you? Okay. Uh-huh. Well man, I got an email. Hold on. What's it say? Nothing. I'm just kidding. Did you see that? Did you see that SNL did their uh, their last show 
from Zoom. It was all Zoom skits done on Zoom. No, I didn't. Yeah. Wow. So that, you know, legitimizes everything we're doing. I know that's what our our broad listenership was really looking for was, um, you know, they just wanted to make sure we were on the same level with SNL. So that, it's good news that we are. Now everybody can tune in and appreciate the mediocre audio quality. Right. Well, maybe uh, we could do a little uh, skit here. Um, you got any uh, jokes? Why don't you pretend to be a pastor? See how that goes. All right. I'll pretend. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to talk about First uh, Peter chapter 2. You open your oh, Bibles. Start over. This isn't very convincing. Yeah. Let's talk about some deceit and hypocrisy in our world. No. Pastors don't talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> what? How about envy and slander? No, they don't talk about that either. They do that, but they don't talk about oh, that. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe that's what we could do on this podcast here is we'll just talk about all the people we envy and we'll throw as many pastors and parishioners under the bus as we can. Yeah. yeah. That seems like a, you know, we might move from like 50 listeners to like a couple thousand if we start just, you know, slandering and envying. That's what's missing in the church. You know, maybe we need a little, oh, it is, we need a little segments now and we can have little intros. It's the envy and slander moment. Go. Oh, man. See, I got it. Like, this is good stuff. I'm ready to go. Okay, good, good. Well, uh, what are we talking about, Eric? You, you, you wanted to talk about, I don't know, what, what was it? Easter? The Easter? Yeah, that, that, that major event in uh, church life and the whole reason we do what we do. And... Can I just, uh, I want to quick reference this article I sent you. I just breezed it, and I don't want to go into it too much, but I think it ties in. With yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the article, and I'd actually read the studies yesterday. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know me. I, I yeah. see my wife and I had a conversation about it because I said, this, this is, uh, I can't, so I was just about to swear. Uh, this is bull. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like the studies or the article? The, the fact... <laughs> The uh, that the church is is growing at these high percentages. Oh, that's the bull. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest yeah. piece of crap I've ever heard in my life. Man, I've heard some big pieces of crap, but that's that's huge. You know, the great thing about Zoom calls being in your yard is when your neighbor's dog decides to just go crazy. Yeah, well, I was listening to last week's that uh, which I just managed to get up. Video call, Cooper. Cooper's not going to listen to you. Cooper doesn't give a rip. I don't I think, are we, oh, we are recording. Good deal. I was just a little, yeah. Because this um, is, this is good stuff. It's funny. It's, you know, engaging. We better be recording. So, this thing might go on for hours. We'll see. Yeah. And this is what our neighbors say about us, you know, when they're on video calls. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you you managed to get I, into the slander moment of our. Uh, I'm slandering our my. <laughs> yeah, perfect. The number two thing is to love your neighbor, and I I can't even do that 
on a stinking <laughs> morning. Beautiful Tuesday. I can't yeah. even do it. Right. So, happy Easter. Look at all the change yeah. of my life. Um, no, I was going to say that I definitely um, know people, like several people within our church who, you know, or our community, I should say, church and related churches who went to like multiple Easter services, you know, they were like, oh, it's cool. I can check out what all these other churches do for Easter. So those that data, we, the, the article we saw basically was saying, oh, these, um, you know, church attendance is way up. Churches are growing. Yes. And, I was, yeah. and for, for one, I was like, as the article suggested, that people tuning in from the comfort of their home does not mean people are joining, be, becoming integrated a part of the church. Those are two very different things. And then number two, I was like, I have a feeling this is like Christians consuming multiple church services because they're stuck at home for Easter, which is definitely something that happened. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, you know, and, and so one of the things, if you look into how they measure all of this stuff, it, it's they don't know actually what they're doing. They can't really make a lot of determinations. So, you know, they're, they're talking about the growth is, uh, oh, I had 750 engagements on my live stream and normally I only have 50. Right. Well, okay, partly your church is at home, but an engagement doesn't mean somebody watched your sermon from... You they know, might have tuned in for end. three seconds, right? Right, right. Um, so those things are plus, plus, like if I if it's multiple locations, which a lot of these places do, multiple you know venues, then they're they're adding up every single time someone clicks on it or is trying to find it, or it's it's. If you're calling that church growth, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean this. So this article is by Michael Frost. I'll, I'll uh, on the YouTube version of this, I'll put it down in the in the description just so you guys can check it out. But um, basically, he was saying this is this could threaten to put our church back twenty five years because he was saying you know twenty five years ago, he and others were warning about consumerism in the church and how it's just going to be consuming palatable content basically versus a real living faith that fights for justice, that corrects, that brings people into deep community. Um, and he was like, this growth that we're seeing right now, and we're kind of questioning if it's really growth, but he was more saying, even if it is, even if like thousands more people decided to tune into an online service, um, that doesn't mean that the church is growing as it should. Now, he did clarify over and over again in the article that he's not saying it's all bad. He, he, doesn't, he thinks that we need to do something digital right now in this time. He's grateful for the people who are doing the work to make these things possible. He does, he's sure that God could work in somebody's life through it. But, but he seemed to be saying, don't mistake this for the growth of the church. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I thought yeah. was, I mean, that's what I gathered. Like I said, I skimmed it. But, um. I tuned into a service from my, I had a, I worked in, 
South Chicago, and I had an intern buddy who became the pastor of the church there. So I, I was like, oh, they don't ever live stream, right? So I watched his Easter message because I thought it was cool to get to hear him after all these years. So I tuned into one other service myself. So, anyway, that was a bunch of people tuned into services on Easter. That happened. Yeah, well, and, and people come to church on Easter. A lot more than, yeah, Easter and Christmas. Yeah. Priesters, they call them, which I always, I think that sounds, I don't know. That's to me, <laughs> sounds like the people that iron pants, priesters. <laughs> that crease in there. Right. Well, and it, I guess it, it is connected in that I just sent you a little text saying, you know, what does it mean to live as a disciple in response to Easter? Like, how, how does Easter impact us? And I thought, oh, it would be interesting just to kind of reflect a little bit on the implications of what we talked about on Sunday. Well, let's do that. I, I think that's the segue I was hoping for, because I think that here we just had this you know, in Christian circles anyway, and maybe, maybe people who are listening who are like not so into faith, maybe you tuned into something too um, on Easter. But yeah, what, what, are, what were we saying in our churches about, yeah, discipleship leading out of Easter? And I mean, what do we say all the time? And I don't know. So yeah, take it down that road, Eric. I, I did like that text. I like that idea. Right. Well, I mean, I think you and I lead churches that emphasize discipleship and emphasize the life of a disciple. And we're reformed. So we believe that everything is in response to the death and resurrection of Jesus and the love of God poured out on us. We don't, we don't live a life of a disciple because we need to like earn something, but out of pure gratitude for what Christ has done for us and the hope that he's given us. So that's kind of the, the very nature of our discipleship model. I mean, it's that simple. It's not a complex you know, rubric. It's all built on gratitude and, and, and the uh, understanding and deepening of grace in our life. So I would be interested in just knowing how, and I don't know if you preached on Sunday or, or how you did Easter or what kind of, whoever talked, what was sort of the thrust of that, you know? Yeah, um, it was, it was Nick uh, was up this time and we did, uh, we had Zoom church online uh, again where we, but we had a code and everything. So it was like, it wasn't meant to be a public broadcast, but we did tell people to invite friends. So we're trying, you know, in our own little clunky way to make it kind of like coming to our church because we don't put out a, you know, a boosted Instagram ad on Sundays to get people to come to church. We tell people to invite people. So same thing. We, we said, invite people to our church on Zoom. And I believe some people did that. And uh, we had a few more people tune in for Easter. I mean, if you look at the screen count on Zoom, it was like three more screens and however many people were behind those. So not, it wasn't like, wow, this big thing. And like I said, we didn't broadcast. So we had everybody in a Zoom meeting. Uh, Nick shared for about 20 some minutes. We had two songs. And then we broke into our micro churches, as we're calling it, which is our small groups. And we've added a couple to make sure everybody has um, an option of one to join. And so 
uh, we did about yeah, about 30, 35 minutes of, of a, on a Zoom service. And then everybody broke into their small group on a separate Zoom call and they discussed the, the message. And the big idea of the discussion was in very practical ways. Excuse me, sorry. It was like we were trying to drill into like in very practical ways, does the fact that Jesus rose from the dead factor into your life? Um, and what actions in your life uh, <coughs> that the resurrection is not factoring in as it should and what practical, you know, things in your life show that the resurrection is making an impact. And, uh, and if you moved into next week, at least this is how I, I approached it in our microchurch moving into next week. If you could just take one practical step to Oh, he just froze on me. Ah. Hey. Hey, there you are. I'm back. You're back. You were in such a, it's such a great, uh, powerful kind of proclamation there. And then you. I know. I, I was really in the middle of, uh, I was feeling it. You were. <laughs> I hear the neighbor's dogs back outside. We'll see what happens. Ah, zoom. So. But you're, you're a lot clearer. Than you were. That's good news. This is going to be a real, uh, a real doozy of a of a Zoom call, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll cut it part out. But yeah. Um, well, we'll cut we'll cut that out anyway. Hey, hey, everybody, I'm back. Hopefully, not as choppy as before because I reset my whole internet configuration. Nice. So. What was I saying before? I don't know. Well, you were saying that you were encouraging uh, your microchurch to uh, think of one practical thing this coming week. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Off. We tried to, to, okay. Yeah, we were. We were trying to say, just think of one thing. And then I was saying that Nick and I then followed up with a, with a video that we're sharing with our church. We recorded that yesterday. And we tried to kind of push that a little further to say, how are, how are we, um, Nick and I thinking about how to, how to press further into this reality that we have a risen Christ. And, uh, and we tried to share a little bit of our own struggles with that. Um, but also then to kind of go a little bit bigger picture, cause I said, sometimes it feels very small to just say like, I mean, cause I talked about my irritability that I've been struggling with at home and it's like, I, I also want to acknowledge that, you know, if all we do is talk irritability and stuff like that, and we don't talk about some of the big sacrifices that we ought to consider making because we have a crucified and risen Christ, um, that might be a shame. But then again, if you can't apply the resurrection to your irritability, you know, maybe you shouldn't go on the mission field either. Right. Like right. it, it's, it, you kind of need to do both. Um, right. So that's, that's where our discussion with it all uh, is at the moment. I hope it continues. How about you guys? Um, well, we looked, we looked at the gospel of John chapter 20, where Jesus appears in the three spaces um, and he also appears to a dog, no, it, where he appears to Mary Magdalene and the disciples and uh, Thomas. Yeah. And we looked at how, 
you know, each one of these groups of people or individuals find themselves in uh, places that are actually relatively familiar to us. And they're things that we live with that the resurrection actually speaks pretty directly to. And so you've kind of looked at, at Mary's despair at losing Jesus and losing the one who delivered her out of chaos, basically seven demons. And we looked at, you know, the disciples fear, which is an interesting thing because they're locked in a room and I'm like, well, this is kind of our life. <laughs> they're sequestered, we're sequestered. So, but that fear, you know, that, that we have of if life and in particularly in this time of just all the uncertainty, um, and I, the resurrection speaks to that pretty directly. And then obviously, I think no matter where you're at in life with Jesus, like on the spectrum, doubt is an element that is at play because we're talking about a man 2000 years ago who claimed to be God and to not only do that, but that he was human and died for us like that concept it itself is is one that you have to wrap your mind around then you have to get to the tomb being empty and him being alive these are these are things that require a, a lot of belief of which is difficult in these times so the in the resurrection obviously speaks to that so we look to kind of despair fear and doubt and and what jesus says to those things and how he propels us forward into um something much bigger uh and 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 most of that much bigger is this you know we move you see the disciples in particular i like that moment when he one offers them peace which is a thing that is required for you if you're afraid because you know when you're afraid peace is not the thing you have and when you're afraid the thing that you tend to ha not have is power right you don't you feel pretty powerless and he steps in there and gives them, offers them peace repeatedly, but then invites them to go out and, and make some proclamations. So, you know, he says, you can forgive the sins. You can say your sins are forgiven and your sins aren't. You can say how you get into the kingdom of God. I'm giving you authority. And so each one of those, he like sends, um, he sends Mary out. He sends the disciples out. But I love the, I love the, the, uh, what he does with with uh, Thomas because he actually kind of breaks the fourth wall and speaks to everybody else and says, you know, those of who didn't see are but believe are blessed. And I think that's a really powerful thing to like bring into the present as a disciple is that you and I in response in response to the resurrection, like in that belief, we have a blessing that even the apostles did not have. We have a blessing of faith that is that is pretty powerful and encouraging in these moments because blessings, a blessing, an ancient blessing means that you are seen and heard and known. So like Jesus is looking at you and saying, I know how hard this is. I'm, you know, and that's a pretty powerful thing to like look, it's almost like you look at the he looks at the audience us and says, I know how hard this is going to be. Yeah. And that that's so how do you respond to that? Well, the thing that I really encourage people to do, and this is something that I am trying more and more as I think about discipleship in my own life, is to really not pontificate and extrapolate on the words of Jesus, but actually 
live in them and to hear them. You know, to Mary, he speaks her name. Yeah. He, I want him, I, I, he speaks my name, right? That's, it's, it's that simple. There's something very unique about that that I need to hear. He invites me to go, you know, he tells Mary, go tell the brothers that it's, it's, I'm going to my God and their God my father and their father. That's a powerful, powerful thing to just yeah. sit in for a moment. That like the death and resurrection of Jesus puts me in a place where, you know, sin, shame, and guilt, they're no longer, they have no power. That's where the peace comes from, is that I am in communion with God and don't have any, you know, there's nothing that can block that, which is a powerful thing. And so what does that mean practically? Well, Actually, it, it means that when I experience despair, fear, and doubt, like Jesus actually has things to say to him. It's not some ethereal, you know, like abstract thing I've got to conjure up. He has very concrete things to say to my experience. And, and, and he, he actually, me. and this isn't, um, and he's told us that these things would be, and he's promised his presence in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, he, he has that, that interesting moment where he blows the Holy Spirit on them. But, you know, the spirit in Jesus, or the spirit that raised Jesus is the spirit in us, Paul tells us. And that's, I mean, that in itself is a mind-boggling, that's crazy. You know, that gets me excited and it gets me back into the urgency of wanting people to know how they can be part of the family. Yeah. Can we rabbit trail on that blows the Holy Spirit? Sure. I've, I'm just going to say, this is something I've never studied. I've never chased it down once in my life. So I'm just, anything I say here is utterly uninformed, but do you have some thoughts on why he did that? Well, I think first off, when you look at it, it's, there's two interesting things. One, you know that when he ascends to heaven, everybody, he t- they're told to go to the room and wait for the, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. And then we also know that John's written a long time, or not a long time, but certainly a good distance beyond the, the other three gospels. And he narrates it out with some inside information that the others didn't have or didn't put down. They didn't choose to put down. Um, so that's an interesting moment. There's I, a, you know, the, word for spirit kind of you know it has the idea of wind within yes. it yes but i mean i wonder i, I mm. often feel like when we make these word connections and i'm not saying you and me but i think in the church that you know as if like the disciples were just like whoa clearly he did that because the spirit is the pneuma the wind and that you know i'm not sure that's how they experienced it it i don't know that's not how i experienced when a you know a leader in my life, you know, does something to, to me. I'm not like, wow, he pulled out the significance of the word right there. Right, I, right. I tend, to, I tend to experience it and feel something much more, I don't know, less extraordinary, but very meaningful. Yeah. And so I wonder how important it was for them to feel his breath, that, that the risen, you know, Jesus, who they still may have thought was, in, in some kind of spiritual state or disconnected from them in some way, or am I hallucinating? You know, who knows what's going through their mind and to feel, you know, 
I mean, the, the breath that they would have felt when he embraced them, when he spoke to them, when he turned around and rebuked them or whatever, like sure. if to feel that breath on that might've, might've, I don't know, just been a, a signal that this, this is really Jesus really, yeah. you know, his spirit, I, you know, that's, well, and that's, here's kind of how I might, I would imagine it. So Jesus is pretty clear, even in the gospel of John, that he can't, like he has to go ascend, right? Yeah. So that the spirit can be poured out on all of us. Like he can't be here and the spirit. What I think happened there was, and I'll get a little, maybe a little metaphysical, is that in that moment he said, let me share a little of my spirit, the spirit of God with you so that you have this tangible, as the apostles, you have this tangible sense of your sending. Yeah. Pouring I, out their, his spirit in the way that the spirit came on the, the disciples and, um, you know, at the day of Pentecost. Um, yeah. And even, I mean, yeah, sure. I, I could go with that. I mean, it's even interesting how, and this would speak to the uniqueness, and I know this this could be a this could be a big debatable doctrine to get into. And I don't mean to, but you know, Jesus's receiving of the Spirit, whether a dove flew down or it was just like a dove flew down or whatever the case, it was a unique, um, visible moment where the Spirit came upon him. Right? It was, yeah. and uh, and no other person is it described like the spirit swooped down like a bird and um and i wonder if there was something to just the like the unique infilling of the spirit that the apostles got and i'm not saying they had so much more than us but they they were called to a pretty incredible specific right yeah and the context of it is that he says my father sent me and i send you yeah. Yeah. So he's marking the apostles in that moment, it seems, as the ones that are sent to proclaim this and to usher in this time. Because they are. They're the ones who started. They're the original, you know, they're the people who step out. So And they and they faced levels of persecution and and a world that had no context for Christianity at all. Right. And uh, and so they're sent out speaking the speaking the languages of these people in, in incredible ways and and carrying forth you know miraculous signs, right? And I think that you know things got I mean, from the moment the one like a dove or, or a dove descends on Jesus, things get pretty fantastic, right? And, and not just after you know not just before Jesus ascends to heaven, after he ascends to heaven, like yes. it gets pretty fantastic. <laughs> And so, I've often said, I mean, there there are people that I've I've known believers and unbelievers who've said, well, if the church is really the church, it should be doing what Jesus did and, and what the disciples did. And uh, and my answer to that is like that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to say. That's like saying if we're really God's people, um, we should do what happened when God's people left Egypt. I mean, when uh, when God's people left Egypt, there's, I mean, obviously, in in Scripture, a unique like explosion of miraculous power that exhibited who God was and who his people were and what they were called to. And it didn't repeat ever again, quite like that. 
Um, I mean, never again were there were there plagues and seas that split. And I know some some of us listening are going, I'm still on the fence if that really happened. But to me, it, I I see, you know, and, and I'd love to get pushed back. This is a, probably a whole nother podcast, but I see three unique times that have never, we've never seen anything like it again. And one is creation. I mean, that, you know, like, I mean, God speaking things into existence. And then it seems like from there, things have just like moved and adapt and adapted and, um, you know, and you could say evolved sense, but, but nothing explosive like creation. And then I see like everything surrounding the deliverance from Egypt and the giving of the law, which is a, an incredible time of God revealing himself to humanity. And then the other as recorded in history is the coming of Christ, which is very similar. It's a revealing of God to humanity. It's a furthering of his plan. And then I would say the fourth one that we would expect would be the return of Christ and the renewal of all things. Um, so I don't expect all of history to look like those events personally. Um, so anyway, like I said, that's all. Yeah. That's a whole other discussion. And that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write a book about that because I'm not like. <laughs> I'm sure there are greater minds than us to. to oh, write. there are, and and I haven't even, and even my non-great mind hasn't really sat down to like plow through all the biblical material that could be pro or against what I just said. But I, but it has, it is something I've milled over for a long time, having grown up in the charismatic church, sure. and trying to make sense of. You know, why, why was it, even in the intertestamental period, there were 400 years of nothing miraculous? Um, and why is it that so many of us are trying to grasp for something as incredible as when Jesus was here? And we're just not, it, we're not pulling it off and it, it's hurting our faith. And should we expect that? Well, I, I, my pushback, and I think this is the disciple part, is that we are plagued by the 18th century. We're plagued by... Uh, the enlightenment and then this idea post enlightenment or not post enlightenment but into the enlightenment in the 18th century where we think that we figured it all out yeah. and that we have come and arrived and so even as followers of jesus we have lost some of that fantastic expectation but we have become people looking for moments of like spectacular where right. i think I should go into everything I do expecting that the power of the risen God is with me and can change things in ways that are fantastic. I, uh, I would fully agree with that. And I mean, wouldn't you say too, in the intertestamental period between the last prophet and, and uh, John the Baptist, that that was also the case that the God who sure. the God of Sinai was still their God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, and I think what, what I, for me, it's just, as I read the book of Acts and as I look at the new Testament and as I look at church history, like the outpouring of the spirit of God, you know, Tim Keller says, you, you can't, you can't control the Holy spirit. All you can do is prepare yourself and your church for the outpouring of the Holy spirit. But when it, when the spirit blows, fantastic things will happen and we should be ready for them to happen but we have to live a life in readiness. That's why Peter keeps saying be sober and alert. 
And it feels like often what we want is we want a miraculous thing to be the evidence that there is a God at work so that we can, you know, sleep at night or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, versus being, being in a state of, of readiness and faith in this God, no matter what he does so that when he does something incredible, we are ready for, and with him. And I don't know. Yeah, well, I think the thing, excuse me, the thing that I run into all the time in my own life and in other people's lives is I want my circumstances to change. And the thing that I think was pretty powerful in John 20 that I talked about in my message was Jesus does not appear to Mary, tell him her who she is and say, okay, now everything's going to be fixed. Like I'm staying here. We're going to get to hang out. Life's going to be really yeah. good. When I'm going to meet all your... Uh, all, all the feelings that you have are going to be smoothed out and you're going to have a really great life all the rest of the way. You're going to be a hundred percent confident all the time. And I'm going to be here, you know, no worries. Right. And he doesn't like, he doesn't, you know, appear to the disciples and say, Oh yeah, don't worry about the Jewish leaders. Like he appears, <laughs> gives them peace and the Jewish leaders still want to kill him. Like yep. that doesn't change. Yeah. You know, and I think that's an important thing, you know. And Nero, uh, and Nero is rising to power in the background, right? Yeah. So yeah. Jesus promises his presence and his power in the moment and in our life. He does not promise to change any circumstances. Right. Yes. What, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would agree. And that's that's the incredible thing that the spirit can do is... I mean, well, there's a lot of incredible things, but it, it gives us power and hope and deliverance that transcends our circumstances, you know, a peace that transcends understanding, for example, um, rather than just a quick fix. Right. Um, and, and I would undoubtedly say that sometimes does God intervene and change a circumstance? Um, Probably. I, I mean, I have, you know, little anecdotal evidence from my own life that that might occur, but I, I don't think that's the everyday expectation that we need to have in order to believe that there is a God. Yes. I don't, yeah. I, I think though, we do have to understand that that presence of God with us has changed human history. So even when we reflect on the coronavirus, you know, the fact that we are talking about the need for ventilators the protection of elderly, the care yeah. for one another. This is all because of Jesus. Yeah. And, and people don't, don't understand that. They don't understand that the revolution happened 2,000 years ago. And yes, the enemy's kingdom is crumbling, but you can see little evidences of God's kingdom built into this crumbling system because of what Jesus has done in our lives and, and changed our world. In a purely evolutionary biological um, mindset, there's no reason to bother with any of the expenditures we're taking to save elderly people. No. There's, there's no reason. And, and so we're all, as we act out of this desire to save lives, even lives that are on the tail end of, of life, we evidence something that Christ you know, came to do. Um, and we showed that we are more interested in it than we think even, um, in a secular age. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, Hey, uh, truth is I've got another zoom call coming up and I'm <laughs> hopefully you'll be clear and uh, not digitally scratchy. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and for putting up with the scratchiness for at least part of this recording and for the chop out of the middle. Um, but, 
but hey, that's uh, that's you know, that's Zoom world. That's the world we're in, and yeah, that's what it is. So, thanks for tuning in to Faith Over Breakfast. Again, we we appreciate everybody who listens. Um, faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com. If you have a topic for us, uh, feel free to comment. Um, I, I think that our our audience uh, I've discovered is a uh, is one that primarily uh, hears and watches us and does not interact, but every once in a while you do. So uh, I we we love when you do. It gives us something something clear to talk about. So Eric and I don't have to just text the night before and you know go to war over what we're going to discuss. Yeah, yeah, because we've got to war a lot. It's oh, it's crazy. It's like it's two crazy. texts long. It's insane. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, Eric, good to see you. And until next time. You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Andy and Eric. Like us on Facebook and Twitter and email us at faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com.